the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So we've been doing an 11-week series on Mark chapter 1. And we are on week 7. I can't believe we made it. When we started this, all the pastors I chatted to about it were like, don't do it. Do not do like an 11-week series on one chapter of the Bible. Uh, if not, your, people in your church will leave. Some of them might uh, set you on fire, throw stones at your head. Don't do it. No one wants an 11-week series. But so weak, I haven't lost interest in this chapter. It's pretty banging. So this week, we're looking at two verses. Mark chapter 1, actually four verses, uh, 16 to 20. I think that may be the most verses we've done in a single week so far. It's been pretty slow burn. So, verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on just a little bit further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. They followed Jesus. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. Passing alongside. One of the things that hit me about this is as you're kind of starting along, we always kind of like flow through things, knowing where the story's going, knowing that this is going to be a big deal. These guys are going to kind of do a lot of things for him. They're going to be disciples. They're going to grow into the apostles. They're going to change the shape of the whole world. But in this moment, in the moment where he connects and he calls him for the first time, it just says he was passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, just passing alongside, and he saw Simon and Andrew. And it reminded me kind of the the Exodus story with Moses, how he's passing through on Horeb on the mountainside and a bush that's on fire just catches his attention. There is a, wow, that is amazing. (laughs) You're using like telekinesis. To move glasses while you walk, that's, that's a new thing. Either that or like we need to do an exorcism in this garden later. So he was passing alongside the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and Andrew. Moses is passing about doing his everyday business. He sees this bush which is on fire and then he turns aside to see it. And it's only when he turns aside to see it that God calls out to him. The thing about Jesus is Jesus is on a different kind of wavelength to you and I. Moses, you and I all have this thing where sometimes we're not surrendered and present to what God is doing. We're not really alive to the moment and seeing in our everyday lives that there are these moments, these opportunities where God is wanting to connect us to things. We kind of have to end up seeing something a bit out of the ordinary. Moses catches a bush that's on fire and notices it's not being consumed. So he turns aside to check it out and that's when God calls him. What I love about Jesus is he's passing alongside Galilee. This isn't his end destination. It's not the final destination. This isn't his objective that he's going out to do. This is just him passing through. And when Jesus is passing through, he doesn't need a burning bush to liberate people. He sees people exactly where they are and he starts to call them out. He sees them as he passes by. Andrew and Simon and they were casting their nets into the sea for they were fishermen and Jesus said follow me and I will make you become fishers of men he sees what they are and straight away he calls them to be more than they are Jesus this morning I believe is seeing you and I as we are but I believe he's calling us to be something more than we are I believe he's calling us on to something else He's also passing by the Sea of Galilee. Now the Sea of Galilee is like a thriving, thriving sea. It's full of life, it's bubbling, it's beautiful, it's scenic, and it's just full of fish. 
If we compare that to another sea in Israel, we could look at, say, the Dead Sea. Now, the reason why the Dead Sea is dead is because it's just an inn. So there's this, this, this kind of area, this mass, and the water comes in from the wider ocean, but it stagnates and it stops moving because there's no out. There's no out. Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, you have this water coming in from the ocean, but then it flows out down rivers and streams. It has an out. You see, one of the most important things in our lives is the in and the out. It's the rhythm of in and out, in and out. You see, God brings blessings into our lives. God connects us and does stuff in us, but actually it's the out that matters just as much as the in. Do you know how many guys I know that I experienced kind of the same kind of things with who really had like a really strong calling on their life to do some really cool stuff for God and they're not about anymore because they just had an in. All they had was the in. They had all these amazing worship nights, they had all these amazing speakers, conferences, experiences, but they never had an out. They never had an out. It was always just in, in, in. Looking to consume, looking to consume, looking to have more, looking to have more, looking to have more with never actually taking the time to back the thing with an out. They were never looking around at their community, at their friendship circles, they were never sharing what they received. And what happens when you don't do that is you have a Dead Sea environment. It just gets stagnant and it just dies. And I've got all these Dead Sea friends now that aren't doing anything with their faith because all they were ever about was chasing the next in, chasing the next in, getting more, more, more. And when you have that, you just stagnate and you disappear. Galilee has this amazing out. And I want to encourage you and I this morning that actually one of the most important things you can ever do in your life is have outs, finding outs, finding ways that what you have to give out. Otherwise, you just stagnate. What ends up happening is you end up walking about existing rather than being actually alive. You end up being consumed, so focused on the final destination, you're not alive to the here and now. Jesus is just passing by, and it opens up so many opportunities for other people's lives to flourish. Are you gonna be a person who creates space and creates opportunity for other people to flourish, or are you gonna all be about what I can get for me? You're gonna be consumeristic with your life and with your spirituality. They were fishers of men. He wants them to be fishers of men. They were fishermen and they were out doing their thing and he calls them to be something different. See, catching fish is one thing, but catching men is something completely different. But he shows us that he has the knack for it because he catches these guys straight away. He's letting them know, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. Are you guys in? And they sign up straight away proving he is who he says he is, are they gonna be who he's called them to be? And we see the church history, that the church grew under these guys, so they definitely were about catching fish and catching people. So one of the things we see in their society is they would have grown up in a world where you did your education, you learned the first five books of the Bible off by heart, and then you were schooled and you were, went through your tests, and then if you passed, you went to the next phase, which was learning the different commentaries, the different ideas of the leading rabbis and sages, and you'd memorize and be tested on that. And at some point, you were told, if you didn't make it, say when you got to about the age of 13, it came to an X Factor moment where you got the opportunity to go to judges' houses. This is where different rabbis who are out and about would be picking the different influential kids and they'd be going like, hey, you come with me to judges' houses and we'll see if I'm gonna take you on, if I'm gonna invest in you. Because in their society, the rock stars, the footballers of their society, the people you wanted to be, were the social innovators, the rabbis or the lawyers of the legal profession because the laws they had determined how the people lived and what would happen within society. So all these kids would grow up with a passion to be a rabbi, a passion to be a social innovator, a passion to be someone of the legal profession. And somewhere along the line, they would get told, 
you're not good enough, you're not going to judge's houses, I'm so sorry, this is where the story ends, and you see Simon Cowell and a kid crying on TV, and people would know when you went home to your family you didn't quite make it, you're not going to be that rock star that you dreamed you'd be. And that's what happened in their time. So these kids, somewhere along the line, have been told, you don't make it, you're not good enough, go learn your father's trade. So when Jesus is passing by Galilee, what he sees is he sees some kids who failed in life. He sees some kids who didn't make it. He sees some kids who someone else said, you're not good enough. You don't have the capacity. You're never going to make it. You're never going to be a social innovator. You're never going to be a lawyer. Go learn your dad's trade. And so he calls them out and says, hey guys, you're catching fish, right? You're learning your father's trade. Let me tell you, I want to make you a fisher of men. You're going to catch people with me. We're going to go. You're going to be a rabbi. You can cut it. I can see it in you. I can see it in you. And when he says, follow me, he's saying, I believe that you can be as I am. I believe you can walk in the shoes that I walk in. I believe you can walk like me, talk like me, and do the things that I do. And so straight away, they ditch their nets. Like, you have to understand, walking away from your business like that, it's not an easy thing to do. Man, I've got a friend who I was talking to the other day I caught up with, and he was going through some decisions in his life and all sorts of stuff going on. And I remember him telling me that God told him, that's it, close up your IT company. Close it up. And he closed it up in obedience to God, which I thought, man, I was scared because this guy is a huge guy. I mean, back, I remember a few years ago, we were working together on some stuff in a, in a church. And I remember him getting a call while he was sitting at his desk. And it was like, I think National Geographic, they wanted to put 40 new channels online. So they called him <laughs> and he had to go in and create 40 new channels for them, create the network and set it all up. That's what he did. That's kind of level operated at. So like he did some serious stuff. Like back in the day, he done stuff for all sorts of huge, huge companies that I could kind of list you and you'd be like, wow, he set stuff up for them. That's crazy. And in that moment, God says to him, you close it down. He closed it down. And then what he was doing, the stuff he was doing with churches, that kind of came to an end. And then he's in this place where he's just kind of like trusting God, this kind of like thing. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. They had a business. They had it all going for them in their business. And he says, follow me and they just drop it at a moment's notice because they know what God could do in their lives. I'm not saying to anyone this morning you need to quit your job today. I'm not saying hand in that notice. I'm not saying any of those things but I am saying be alive and be aware of the things that God may say to you in your life you need to dead. You need to put that away. Like it's an awkward thing to say but there's always moments in life where God tells you you need to leave that thing behind. That has to die. That has to go. It's always painful. It's never easy. But we're going to see with these guys that God did so much with their lives that we're still reaping the benefits from today. He calls them to go from fishers, fishermen to fishers of men. But then there's the, the other two guys in the boat that he goes past, the sons of Zebedee, which I love because it means sons of thunder. They sound like, I could just picture them being like covered in tattoos today, being a bit rough and tumble, maybe MMA fighters, I don't know, something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Sons of thunder. Could be in the WWE, a tag team, who knows? But these two lads, they're there and they're doing their fishing and they're in their dad's boat and they're with the, the servants and that. And it says, and going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats, mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. That's a weird one, man. Can you imagine that? It's not just ditching your business, but you're ditching your dad. Can you imagine that? Just, just dead in that with your dad. Like, dad, like, sorry, mate. I know this is the, the family business. I know I've been doing this with you, but the rabbi's called. What I love is you don't read in the next few verses, like the dad saying, like, this is a liberty. This is an outrage. I'm ashamed of my boy. This, his dad probably would have been even moved to tears, like, oh, my days, he's going to make it. He's been given that opportunity again as a kid. I remember seeing my, my kid come home. Uh, yeah, you're right, bro. 
I remember seeing my kid come home. I remember seeing him step through the doors. I remember him breaking the news to me that dad, they've been, the rabbis aren't picking me. They've sent me home. I'm going to be working with you. His dad being devastated, but kind of happy at the same time because he wants to work with his son. But every dad has ambitions for their children to be more than they are. And for his dad to be in that boat and see this guy moving and shaking through the community, come along and saying, follow me. For his dad to see his boys get the opportunity to ditch the nets, to be the social innovators they always dreamed that they would be, to get that opportunity, to get that moment. Man, it must have been a beautiful thing. I love that they were mending their nets. That's a key thing, isn't it? Because when you're fishing, you need nets that don't have holes in. Catching, you know, catching fish with holes in your nets, that's never gonna really work. So they're mending their nets, they're putting the work in. You see, you and I, so often, we're never at the final destination, no one ever is. Everyone's always chasing the dream, moving a bit further, and we're always doing things that are helping us chase that dream, like mending the nets. We're always consuming, you know, there's always gonna be a day when you're gonna need to mend some nets. There's always gonna be a day where there's gonna be something on the to-do list. There's always gonna be a day where there's gonna be something you need to do to achieve what you wanna achieve. But actually, sometimes we need to understand that the, the nets can wait, the nets can wait. Do you know how many times I've seen situations where I'm like shocked that people just keep going through autopilots and they're mending their nets while their friend's life is falling apart. They're still mending their nets. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I've seen people mending their nets while there's a madness going on in their kids' lives. But they're so zoned in, so focused in on work. You know, I was working at a church in Sutton where, man, I've, I've done a few different things. One church I was at, it was like a lot of like kind of ghetto, scary kids. Another church I was at, it was like private school kids. And working with both, sets of kids, you'd think like on the one hand you'd see like these ghetto kids with his tough life and then these private school kids like living the dream and coasting. Yeah, they had loads of money and loads of cool gadgets. But you know what I saw? I saw the exact same things, man. I saw on the one hand some of the kids in the rougher areas, their dads weren't about, I didn't see them that often. And then I saw the posher kids where like their dads are earning millions and their dads aren't about. They see them in the house every now and then. I saw one kid where the dad lived on the other side of the world in China making crazy money. The family is still kind of together, but they're not together. And the kid's just as dysfunctional as, as the other kids. I saw another kid where the dad was so focused on his goals that what he would do is the kid was crazy about Apple products. And the reason he was crazy about Apple products was the dad would buy them for him. The new Apple product came out and he got it to him. So he'd be so focused on that. But really, it wasn't about the Apple product. It was the connection to his dad. Crying out for something more because his dad was too busy focused. Hey, loving the t-shirt. Repping. His dad was too busy being focused on mending the nets and on business and on his goals that he was not alive to the world around him. What I love about James and John is that the moment comes to do something significant for God, they just drop the nets, they just let it go. Let me tell you, friendships and family will always be more significant than any goal you ever have. The community, human beings around you will always be more important than any goal you have. Always. And actually being alive to the call of God and who Jesus calls us to be means we have to be ready sometimes to just drop the nets. It's not convenient. It doesn't always go easily. Sometimes it really, really costs us. But we have to be willing to let go of the nets. The nets can wait. And the beautiful thing is the dad seeing dad, I'm getting the second shot of my dream. Man, I love that. The James and John, their dad got to watch him getting the opportunity of a lifetime to follow after a rabbi who's saying you can be all that I am. Today's a unique day at City Hill because actually we're gonna get some opportunities to pass alongside. They passed alongside the Sea of Galilee and, and Jesus saw 
these people and he saw them being of worth and he gave them the opportunity to, to call them to follow him. Any of us who have things going on, you know, we may need to go today, just go, that's cool, I get that. But there's an amazing opportunity we have today in the fridge, in the shed, the shed or the shack. Um, there is this big bag I've got, like a cooler bag. And it has, I couldn't fit 200 in it. I've got 100 ice pops this Sunday. And we've got like 100 of our kind of like uh, where you belong cards, all that kind of stuff, invite cards. And today, I'm down for it. A couple of you guys may be down for it. Some of you may have to dash. We're going to go on to Clapham Common. And we're just going to, we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to walk past people saying there's power in the blood of Jesus. There totally is. <laughs> but they're not going to get that. We're not going to walk past saying Jesus loves you because you know what? It's pretty hard to back that up with an ice pop. You know, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? The love of Jesus dying on the cross, raised to life. Not quite the same thing as an ice pop, but we can just go give people free ice pops and an invite card, letting them know, hey, letting them know who we are, what we're about. I'm gonna pray for us, and if you're able to stay behind and, and just come out of us onto the common, that's gonna be an awesome, awesome thing. Father God, I thank you that as we look at week seven of this series, I thank you that we were called. I thank you that you went out and as you were passing by, it wasn't your final destination, but even though you were focused on your goal and your challenge and your task of what you wanted to do, you saw the people around you and you called them in and you made them involved and you brought life into their lives. Lives that flowed with in and out, that they would receive, but they would be givers, that it wouldn't be just about consuming some sense of spirituality for their own agenda and their own selfish needs, but alive to the community around them. I thank you, Father, that actually you would go and you would call people who were write-offs by society, people that were told they were failed, they weren't good enough to be lawyers or social innovators, they had to learn their father's trade, being fishermen, and yet you gave them the opportunity of a lifetime to be under a rabbi who was going to change the world. Father, I thank you that actually that hasn't changed, that still today you call people like me who are absolute wastemen, and you call me to be a part of your plan and what you want to do in this world. And I thank you for that privilege. I thank you that every one of us has that privilege, that you see us as we are, who we are, and you call us to be more and you give us the opportunity to follow you. I thank you today that after, as we close this service, Lord, we have the opportunity to go on Clapham Common and just give out free popsicles. It's such a random thing, but it's such an awesome thing as well. Father, I pray that we'll be people like the Sea of Galilee, the water flows in and flows out. Maybe be people that don't grow stale like the Dead Sea, where the water just comes in and gets stagnant. Father, would you build that rhythm in our lives of receiving and giving, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.